Well, Happy New Year's Eve, and uh, if you've got your Bible or your device with you, you can open up to Philippians, the book of Philippians, which is in the New Testament. And uh, as we enter a brand new year tomorrow, uh, tonight some of us will see a brand new year show up, others, uh, others of us it will simply pass on by while we sleep. But any way you experience the end of one year and the dawn of a new year, uh, it's coming and you can't do anything about it. And so often what we do is we fabricate these ideas of how we can make our life better in the coming year. And we call those New Year's what? Resolutions. Now, if you are a resolution maker, raise your hand and say, I am. Are you serious? Thank you. Okay, well, you should be, and I'm going to give you one today, all right? Now, I want to tell you what the most common resolutions were in 2017. This is by percentage, okay? Uh, first of all, um, we have, where are we? Exercise more. 38% want to exercise more. 33% of those resolutions were lose weight. Now, those kind of go hand in hand. Somebody, a friend of mine lost a bunch of weight, and I asked him how he lost it. He said, I ate less and moved more. It's amazing how that works. It's not rocket science, okay? Uh, number three was eat more healthily, 32%. Take more, a more active approach to health, 15%. So it's all about me, myself, and I so far. It goes on down. It says to learn a new skill or a hobby, 15% of the people had that on their list. Spend more time on personal well-being, 12%. Spend more time with family and friends, 12%. Drink less alcohol, 12%. Stop smoking, 9%. Other, 1%. Now, psychiatrists have determined the reason that we don't do good at keeping our resolutions is because we establish way too many resolutions. And inside the psyche, I guess, of every individual, there is this thing called willpower. And simply said, there's not enough willpower within you to accomplish a dozen resolutions for the year. And so that's why we so miserably, I guess, fail them. Now, I want to tell you about a resolution today that all of us should and can make, and all of us should and can keep. And if we do it, it will change the dimension of all of those other things that we care about. Now, maybe we don't have a resolution per se, establishing particular things that we're going to change, but all of us, if you get right down to it, we have things that we would prefer be different in the coming year than they were in the last year. If you believe that, say amen. Thank you. Okay, now, so, so Paul is going to tell us today in Philippians what that looks like, because it was true for Paul 2,000 years ago, and it's true for us today in 2017, entering into 2018. Now, I want to go ahead and lay the groundwork, because here's why this is so imperative that we do this. Because although we, are, we have been granted and guaranteed 2017 and behind, we are not guaranteed 2018 and beyond. Now, we like to live like we're guaranteed that, but there is no certainty about life <clears throat> for tomorrow or even this afternoon. There's just not. In, in fact, in the last year, in two, 2017, we had four of our faithful men in our church that if you would have told me we would have lost in 2017, I would have said, I don't think that's right. Because two of those men were in their 50s, one was in his 70s, and one was in his 80s, and all of them were faithful men committed to the Lord Jesus. And we like to live in a world that says, man, if we're entirely committed to Jesus, then everything is rosy in our life. And we have nothing to worry about. We're going to live long. We're going to live healthy. Everything's we're going to have, make a lot of money. Everything, our relationships are going to be better. That is not necessarily true. Now, I will tell you this. 
When you commit yourself to Jesus Christ, it means when the trouble comes. It means when the hardship comes. It means when the heartache comes. God is right there with you, and it makes it so much better. I tell people this from time to time. If I did not have heaven to gain, if my life surrendered to Jesus Christ was it, and when my life is over and they put me underground or they burn me into ashes, however that, whatever that looks like for me, when, when it's over for me, I, if, if it ends right there, I wouldn't trade my life surrendered to Christ for anything else. I have seen, I have experienced the other life outside of surrender and commitment to Jesus Christ, and it is a miserable life. And so today we're going to talk about the, why it's so important. We're going, to, we're going to look at one thing that we can do because life is futile. You like to think it, it's forever, but the Bible is very clear. First Chronicles 29, 15, our days on earth are like a shadow. Psalm 29, 5, behold, thou hast made my days a few hand breaths. Psalm 102, 3, my days pass like smoke. Psalm 102, 11, my days are like an evening shadow, and I wither away like grass. Now, isn't that encouraging for a New Year's message just to make you mindful that you're going to die? Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to die. Now look at your neighbor and fake it if you have to. Say, I hope it's not today. Some of you struggled with that, but it's okay. All right? Now in God's word, I want to read, begin by reading, uh, by reading Philippians chapter 3, the first 12 verses. Because this lays the groundwork. This paints the personality of who Paul is and his relationship with Jesus, the Savior of the world. Now he, he says in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. Now, he's not talking about the dog animals. He's talking about the religious people. He says, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now he's going to establish why, uh, what the one thing, he's going to establish why we need a resolution for the coming year, for the coming day, for the coming uh, moments in our life. He says, he says, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, he says, I got a good bag of tricks of my own. I mean, I got, I got a, a sack full of goodies that are called accolades about my name and my person. Listen to what he says. He says, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I have more than you. Uh, uh, circumcised the eighth day. Of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But here it is. Now I want to pause right there. Many of you have a list of, accolu uh, of accolades that you would put beside, accomplishments that you would put beside your name. You know, I got some initials by my name, you know, some degrees. I've got a pedigree. I got a fine family line. I've got a good job. I've created a company. I have all of these good things in the flesh. You, had no, you have no more than Paul had. Paul had it all, what he thought before God. We have to come to a place just like Paul where we say, verse 7, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss 
for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may Lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. So let me just tell you right now, let's all go back to a level playing field. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a whole lot like me. Now look at your neighbor and say, and I'm no better than you. Some of y'all struggle with that. You see, you don't know who's sitting next to me. It don't matter. Okay. All of us are losers without Jesus Christ, okay? That's, that's the bottom line truth. Okay, so today we're going to see the title of the message is called Getting the One Thing Right. We don't have to have a whole list of resolutions. We don't have to have a dozen. We don't have to have five. Now, you may have 25. Go for it, okay? You may have one or two, and that's fine, but I want to trump them all. I want to give you the one thing that you got to get right. I want to give, give you the one thing that will help everything else in your life move to a different level. In Philippians 3.13, he begins like this. He says, but I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it. Yet, but one thing I do. You get it? Paul says, I got all of that stuff. Man, I've memorized the, 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 the Old Testament. I, I was a scholar of the law. I, I, I knew multiple language. I was trained by Gamaliel, the greatest teacher on the planet of that time. He says, I got it all. He says, but yet one thing I do, and you and I need to come to a place today at the dawn of a brand new year, a do-over year, where we can say, if I don't get two days into the year, I'm going to do this one thing. Paul makes it very easy because Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was present when God created mankind. And let me tell you something about the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Let me tell you something that they know about humanity. Although originally created in the image of God, he knows that they are very prone to being very, very dumb. And so he says, I'm going to make this very easy for you. I'm going to give you one thing that you can focus on. So the first point is yesterday can never be relived. You can never relive yesterday. Now you can recreate and perform some activities of yesterday, but you can never relive yesterday because yesterday is gone with the wind. I thought I'd throw that out there to some of you who listened, who used to listen to old rock and roll. Yesterday is gone with the wind. It is. It's gone. You cannot relive yesterday. Now he says in verse 13, he, he goes on and this is what he says, forgetting what lies behind. Now I brought with me something that points to something that lies behind. What is it? Class annual. This is North Senator 1980 edition worth absolutely nothing. Okay. Now, in this book, it contains pictures of days gone by, but I cannot live those days over, and quite frankly, I don't want to. 
And quite frankly, we we do two things in our past. Either we live in the glory days where we remember the best days of our life was when we were in high school. If that's you, get close to Jesus and let him recreate your life. Because if you're still living in the glory days, you are stuck in a rut. And as Gene Beffrey says, a rut is a grave with the ends knocked out of it. Okay, And so what we're supposed to do is not live in the past. So don't live in the glory days. Maybe when you remember your annual, your high school days, or even yesterday, they were terrible. You made a lot of mistakes. You got a lot of, uh, uh, you carry with you a lot of uh, bad baggage. I want to tell you, Paul says, forget it. Look at your neighbor and say, forget about it. I hope you had a little attitude with that. Forget about it. That's what we're supposed to do. Forget about it. Forget, forget that thing. For just forget that thing. Let me tell you why. If you don't believe me, go back and look at some of them pictures. You were not that cool. And girls, you had some god-awful hairdos. Look like you stuck your finger in a socket. The bigger, the better. Picture in there of me, hair, this. We, I know I have neck problems now. That 10 years of being cool like that, it cost you later, okay? You know it's true, okay? You weren't that cool. Life was not that good in the glory days. And all of those mistakes that you made, listen to me, you can forget about that. Even if you made them yesterday, even if you made them last week, it's a brand new year. And this one thing I do, Paul says, I lay all the good, I lay all the bad, I lay it down, and I forget about it. Now, Paul's saying that our view of the past we should have. Let me tell you how I know. Because Paul regularly talks about his past. Now listen to me. When he says forget about your past, he does not mean because you cannot erase it from your memory. What he means is is to take your past and make your view of the past much, much, much smaller than your view of the future. Let me give you an example. In your car when you drove over here today, you looked out this great big windshield. And if you wanted to see what was behind you, where you had been, you have a little rearview mirror in your vehicle. That's, that's a proper perspective. Let what you see in the future be much greater than what you see in the past. This week, there were some good movies came out. Kendra and I like to go to the movies, and so we went to see a movie. And I drive a, a, a Chevrolet pickup truck, a 2500, and it sits up a little high. And I got a little camera in my in my truck. And so I was going to back into this place, this parking spot. And, and I see this little shrimpy car back there. I see it because I got him on my camera. And thus far, the camera has been determined to be very accurate. I have not hit anything. And so I'm in reverse and I'm still eight feet away. And I hear, hank, 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 hank. And I'm like, what? I got you in my rear view camera. Backed up a little further. Man, man, man. Now he's laying on it. And I'm like, what is he doing? I got this camera. Okay. So finally, I, I got parked. I put, it, I put it in park. I got out of the truck. I went around. I said, it's okay. You know, I didn't know what his sign he was going to give me, but I gave him the happy sign. Okay. And it dawned on me. Okay. It dawned on me. I was looking at a little five-inch screen. He was looking out the windshield at the underneath undercarriage of my truck. His view of the future was not looking good, but he saw it. I just saw this little camera. No big deal. Listen, that's the way God wants you to view your past. Just capture it in a little screen. But do not let your past 
good or bad, interfere with the greatness and the magnitude of the future that he has in store for you. That's what he wants to do. That's how it is, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, that's good. It's bad when I have to tell you that. Number two is tomorrow is an empty page. Tomorrow is an empty page. This is so sweet. So I had the annual to help you remember that. Get rid of it. Burn it if you have to. The second thing I, I want to show you is he says, Paul says in this same verse, verse 13 of Philippians 3, he says, and reaching forward to what lies ahead of me. Listen, God created us to be forward-moving creatures. He created you and me to be forward-looking creatures. He created us to be forward-reaching creatures. How do I know? Because my feet are pointed forward and so are my eyes. If he would have wanted it different, he would have turned my head around on my body and put the eyes in the back of my head. But he didn't. And I'm looking around here, and it looks like you all are pretty much like me. God wants you to be forward-moving, forward-reaching, forward-striving, not living in days gone by. Now, let me tell you something about our past and, 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 our, and our tomorrow being an empty page. Here's the problem with Christianity. This is the problem with some of you. This has been the problem with me from time to time. We are so confident in that moment in time when we say, I said a little prayer, I let Jesus into my heart. When Jesus came into my heart, you know, you got that little testimony. I said the prayer, I walked down there, asked Jesus to come to my heart, okay? We got that moment, and we hang on to it. And you know people, and I know people who live like hell itself, but when you talk to them about Jesus, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I, gave Je I asked Jesus in my heart when I was nine years old. Well, for crying out loud, tell your life to live like it. Okay, amen? Amen, Brother Joel, that's true. Hard truth, but good truth. Now listen, what we do is we hang on to this moment in time. We, we live our whole life hoping and planning on an eternal destiny in heaven based on a moment in time that often never even changed our life. Listen, when Jesus comes into your life, he wants to start with a fresh page, and so tomorrow is an empty page. Reaching forward to what lies ahead. Now, let me explain what that means. You should live your life and plan your life like you have 100,000 tomorrows left. You should plan your life like you have 100,000 tomorrows left, but you should live your life like this is your last day, that this is the last one. And so, so he says, listen, I reach forward. Tomorrow is an empty page. I brought with me, this is Kendra's journal. This is not my journal. I mean, it's okay, but I, mean, I wouldn't buy this one. Okay. Now, do you journal? If you journal, say I do. Some people journal. It's awesome. I could, Kendra's not even in here. I could start reading her journal, but I won't because I want to sleep in the same bed tonight. Okay. So, so she's got a journal and most of this journal are sermon journals. When she, when she comes to church, she, she, she writes down what the preacher says. I don't quiz her on it. Did you take your notes? Okay, but they're right here. Some of y'all need to journal. We give you a worship guide with no area to put notes. You need to write them notes down. I'm telling you the truth. When I get up here to preach, the Holy Spirit of God has impressed upon my heart the truth of his word to change lives. And what we do often, we come to church, we listen for a few minutes, we forget before we get out. I, I, you know what I may start doing? I may start quizzing people when they come out. What were my three points? That's so easy. I'm going to let my wife answer. Okay? 
Right. You, we, we need to journal. We need to take notes about life. <clears throat> because listen, you, your tomorrow is an empty page. It's an empty page. Yesterday does not determine your empty page of tomorrow. It simply does not. And so, so we, 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 Kindred Journals, Kindred Journals, I don't do a journal. I do a to-do list, not a honeydew list. That's an entirely different list. She makes that list for me. I do a to-do list. Let me tell you how, how, what that looks like. You should plan tomorrow. You should plan as if you had 100,000 tomorrows. Okay, and what that looks like is determine today what you're going to do tomorrow because as soon as tomorrow gets here, it's no longer tomorrow, it's now today. Some of you won't get over that. Okay, yeah, they won't get it. You, I don't know what he said. I'm saying this, plan today what you'll do tomorrow so when tomorrow becomes today, you're engaged in doing what it is you're supposed to be doing. Don't wake up tomorrow and say, huh, what will I do today? I don't know. Here's what mine looks like. When we have things coming up, we put it on a list. Our staff makes lists of things to do daily, weekly, sometimes quarterly, even through the year. We post it, we put a calendar up. There's a list on my desk right now of some things that need to happen in the next few days. Okay. And so the, what mine looks like, I make a list and I put it on my vanity in the bathroom. And often it lays right there. And as the day goes on, I make a list. And at the end of the day, it's laying in there. Sometimes it's on the back of an envelope. Sometimes it's on a notepad. Sometimes I text myself. Okay. And so what happens many times, I'll lay down to go to bed and I'll think, man, I need to do that tomorrow. I will get myself out of bed because I've tried this. Man, that's a good idea. I will do that in the morning. I wake up in the morning. What was that? It is gone with the wind, okay? And so I get out of bed, and I put it on my list of to-dos for tomorrow. It becomes very functional and very intentional, and the accomplishments are far, far greater. So tomorrow is yet to be written, and so we have an empty page that needs to be written. And so the third thing I want you to see is today ushers yesterday into tomorrow. Listen to what Paul says as he finishes up verse 13. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Today ushers yesterday into tomorrow. Do you get that? We're in this today, which is simply a transition, an intersection between yesterday and tomorrow. And so for ushering, I, I brought this little light. We passed these out at our candlelight service, and it's got our church website on it and a, and a scripture on it, John 8, 12, he's the light of the world. And, and I was thinking about this. We went to see Chris Tomlin uh, here a while back, and the, the little men that were working there, I say little men, I don't, they're probably my size, I just said little men, I don't know why. But anyway, they, had a little, little, they did have a little flashlight. And, and I, I got to tell you this story. So I, uh, I went to the concert and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. It's filling up, filling up, filling up. Got all this preliminary stuff. It's getting ready to start. Getting ready. The lights dim. My eyes itched. I reached up, scratched my eye. I've been wearing contacts for about two weeks. Okay, not not all the whole two weeks, but I mean, I've been I've just been trying them out. Scratch my eye. Look down. Had a torn contact right here on my finger. Concert starting now. I got one good eye. Okay, so I had to go to the bathroom in a nasty bathroom. Stick my fingers in my eye. Get the other contact out. I still had part of the contact up under this eyelid, okay? That's how I enjoyed Chris Tomlin, okay? But here's the point. I don't know why I told the whole story. Uh, the, the point is this. When I got back, the lights were down, the concert was started. The man, not the little man, but the man with the little light. Sir, where are you seated? Way down there on the 12th row. 
Come on, he did this like I, like I was blind. I, I don't know if he knew I was blind, but he's doing this. Let me tell you something he never did do. He never did say, hey, 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 sir, yes, I want you to look where you've been. See where you've been? He never did that. Why? He's ushering me to a new place. He's moving me from point A to point B. And getting there, the quickest, the shortest distance between two points is what? A straight line. It is not a zigzag pattern. It is not backwards and forwards and here and there. It is from point A to point B, straight line. And that is what today does between yesterday and tomorrow. It ushers and moves us to that place. It is an important thing to understand that it is one step in front of the other. One day after the other, one year after the other, until the Lord Jesus returns or he takes us home. Now, that seems simple enough, doesn't it? That we just take one day at a time, we just move forward. I thought it was simple. And a few years ago, uh, some people here at the church wanted to do a mini triathlon. And it was a half mile swim, 12 mile ride, and a 5K, 3.2 miles. No big deal. I'd run dozens of 5Ks with or without an artificial hip. I'd done it, okay? I had um, ridden bicycles all my life. No big deal. Swimming, I swim to get to something firm to hang on to, okay? I swim to get to dry land. So I started going to Tenova because he, I got to tell on Jeremy Cox. Is Jeremy in here? He's like a porpoise, let me tell you. He couldn't swim either his whole life. I mean, he'd swim to the side, get on a ladder. That's what he did. And we went to Boston on a mission trip, uh, scouting a mission trip, and we went down to an indoor pool. I was going to work on a sermon. He was going to prepare for a tri mini triathlon or Ironman, Ironman. And I'm sitting up there studying for an hour, and he's in the pool like a porpoise, just back and forth for an hour. And I'm, so we got out, and I was like, uh, where'd you get that at? And he said, just one lap at a time. So I started going to, to Nova, one lap at a time, first lap. I should have wore a vest, okay? Okay? I did it, and I got up to where I was swimming a mile a day, which is a lot. It's a lot. If you've never, the first time you jump in, you think, a mile's not that far. You get in the water, it's far. It is really far away, okay? So we did this mini triathlon, and, and, and the first part was a half-mile swim. I got this. I had never swam with everybody else beating the water and kicking me as I went. But I made it. I got out of the water. I, I swam. It's good. I'm good to go, ready to ride. I get on my bicycle, and it was, I'll call it the Swiss Alps. It's in, in West Knoxville, okay? And it was this. It was, it's like when you're a kid. It's uphill both ways. It was uphill the whole way, it seemed like. And so the 5K, I never worried about because I've always run. I got off my bicycle. Now, it, I'm just going to tell it real. When I got off, my legs, pardon the expression, were retarded. Okay, I'm, I'm talking about me. It's okay. They did not know how to run anymore. All of this up in here was fried. And so running became like this. I felt like the scarecrow on the Wizard of Oz. Now, listen, here's the point of that. I knew I was not going to quit. If I had to crawl, I was not going to quit. But I, I placed my view on the finish line because I knew I would finish. But to get to the finish, I had to begin one step at a time. I had to tell my feet to go forward in front of my body one step at a time. And as I went, it got a little bit more stable. It never was fun, but it got a little bit more stable. Paul is saying, listen, in our life, it is imperative that we understand that today, what, what we do today 
changes what happens tomorrow. Don't wait until tomorrow to do what God has called you to do today. Because the longer you wait to be obedient to God, the longer it is that you experience the blessings of God. Wow, that's good. The longer you wait to be obedient to God is the longer it takes for you to experience the blessings of God. Now, in this verse, he says, he says I focus I press on. That word is really cool. In Greek, it's skopos. And skopos is a scope that is on a rifle. It's the same word we would use today. Like if you're a deer hunter, I'm not, but if you are, you would put a scope on your rifle. And it allows you to focus on something far away as if it's up close. And it draws everything into clarity, into that place where you see exactly with a laser focus what is way out there. That is what Paul says. Paul says, I live my today focused on something that's way out there. Now, the thing about Paul is he didn't know how far out it would be. He would ultimately die a martyr's death, but he didn't know when it would be. Now, let me tell you something about focus. When you take any general product, it's amazing when you focus it, what happens? I have a friend of mine who goes to Second Baptist Church. His name is Alan Wright. He has a water jet cutter. You go in his office, he's got marble stone four inches thick, and he has cut out those little profile images, silhouettes of his children out of four-inch marble with water. He cuts four-inch thick steel with water. That sounds freaky, doesn't it? I mean, I just drank, I just dropped a bottle of it a minute ago, didn't hurt anything. And yet you can cut steel with it. It's the same with light. You can take light and light up this room. Or you can take light and condense it to a very small beam and it becomes a laser, which will do a lot of damage or a lot of good. That's the way it is in our Christian life. When we begin to take the general principles of Christianity, the general disciplines of Christianity, reading our Bible, praying to God, witnessing, inviting people to church, living the Christian life, uh, letting God utilize our spiritual gifts, plugging into the local church body, it becomes focused and focused and focused, not for what's happening now, but for what God has intended way, way, way on down the line. I want to I show you what a life looks like that never has that kind of focus or intentionality, that kind of direction, that kind of understanding about life. His name was Ernest Hemingway. Most of us have heard of him. He was a remarkable man. He won the Pulitzer Prize. He won a Nobel Prize. He was a young newspaper reporter when World War I began. And he went to the front and was wounded in Italy. He came back and he had an exciting life as a big game hunter. He was a bullfighter. He was a sports fisherman. He would fish for Marlin. When World War II came, he didn't want to be left out, but they wouldn't let him in the military. So he took his fishing boat and he rigged it with two 50 caliber machine guns and bazookas on the top of his boat. He had hand grenades on the boat and he would cruise off the coast of Cuba, hoping that a German U-boat would surface. If he could see the, con the conning tower of the periscope or if he could see the water breaking over that steel skin of that U-boat, he would move toward it, expecting them to surface and get a boarding party to come and board his ship. And he would remain about 50 yards away. And when it would come up close, they would open the tower and he would unload the raft on them. Now, this is just a guy, just a guy, but he didn't have any focus in his life. He was in an airplane accident. He was hit by a taxi he had all endured all kinds of terrible things in his life, 
He lived in France. He lived in Italy. He lived in Cuba. He lived in the Key West. He lived in Idaho. Why, I don't know. He was a man that did everything, but he abused himself with alcohol and became a slave to alcohol. So here this wonderful life, this amazing life lived. It says when he went through, he went through four marriages, and finally, at the end of it all, he was quoted as saying, this life is futile. We are nothing but ants on the end of a burning log. How did it all end for him? His life ended at the open end of a shotgun when he committed suicide. That's what a life unfocused, unyielded, unsurrendered to God looks like. And you may be sitting here and you're saying, that's not me. That'll never happen in my life. If you would have asked him when he was a young man, he would have agreed. He never saw that coming. So I want to tell you this. It is the beginning tomorrow of a brand new year. And I just want to let you know that you can't relive yesterday as good or as bad as it is. And you can forget about it. Now listen to me. The God of heaven sent Jesus, his son, to this earth to die a sinner's death on a cross at the hands of guilty men. And Jesus, if he was standing before you right now, he would say, all of your past, you can forget about it. Because if you will lay it at the foot of the cross, I will bury it in my sacrificial blood and I will cast it as far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness. That's what Jesus will do for your past. Not only that, but we'll find out that tomorrow is an empty page and Jesus would say, if you will do that, I will come into your life. If you'll surrender your life to me, cast all your burdens on me, I'll come into your life and tomorrow is an empty page. And if you'll let me get into your story, I will write a story that's bigger and more magnificent than you can ever, ever imagine. And thirdly, today ushers yesterday into tomorrow. Jesus would tell you today, I am the light of the world, and I am the way that will offer you an eternity of tomorrows. And whether your time on this earth ends tomorrow or 50 years from now, only God knows that. But with Jesus in our life, when our life ends, it is only the beginning of an eternity of days in his presence. That's what God does. And so maybe you're here today and you say, I, I've played around with religion. I've played around with faith. I've contemplated Jesus. I've said a little prayer. But my life does not reflect a change by this kind of God. My life does not experience a freedom and a life that's lived with with. Uh, with fervency and passion, and I don't feel engaged with God. Maybe it's because Jesus is simply not in your life. Maybe it's simply you have played around with it, but you've never surrendered. Surrender means to give all of you to all of him. Surrender means to lay it all down, not part of you, but all of you down to him and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I want you to come into my life. Jesus, I want you to save me on this day as we begin a brand new year. And I want my tomorrow and my forever tomorrows to be lived for and with you. You have to do that. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you really have given your life to Jesus. 
But maybe you have drifted from what it is his purpose is for your life. Maybe today means a day that you start living fully for him. To, to this one thing, that you just focus on this one thing, and that one thing is to pursue the prize, the call that God has on your life. For I told somebody at a funeral, at JD's funeral the other night, I told the, the, the people who were here, I told them that JD was really good about encouraging me on times when I needed to be encouraged. I don't get discouraged a lot, but I get discouraged when people don't show up for church. Let's be real with you. Okay, JD was real good about coming. I'd tell him, I'd say, yeah, attendance was a little off, JD. Giving was a little down. And he, every time he'd say, huh, that's all right. They'll be back next week. Okay, now here's my point in that. Some of you have been coming to this church for a while. You've never joined this church. You still, I don't know why. Some of you have joined the church, but you never invited a friend to church. And I tell people all the time, the number one way that, the number one reason that people ever come to church is because simply someone invited them. So I'm telling you, on the, on, on, at the cusp of a brand new year, start living for Christ. Maybe you're uncomfortable sharing your faith, Christians, believers. Maybe you're uncomfortable with that. Bring them to church, I'll tell them, okay? Start living for Jesus. Get this word into your life so this word begins to show up in your life. Because many of us live our lives and people watch us go by day after day after day and they see no different from the rest of the world, no difference. And so, so I'm challenging you, church, today. Do not live 2018 in a passive mode. Do not live 2018 in this lukewarm, apathetic, yes, I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to live like it world because you will not experience the victory found in Jesus Christ. Join me as we pray.